This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Red Wings trying to get the sweep. Three seconds left into the zone to the top. Red Wings on the standing top. Welcome to the Detroit Red Wing Alumni Podcast. This is episode Abdulcator. Episode 8, sitting with me today in the big boy chair. Eddie is in Edmonton, is the incomparable one. Now, I guess he's not really that incomparable. That's what we used for Eddie. But I want to welcome back <laughs> Art Regner. Art, how are you? I'm doing well, uh, Newman. How are you? You know what? I can't complain. Nobody cares. Anybody that knows me knows that's my... Standard answer. So we've got a lot to talk about today. We're probably looking at about one of the most monumental regular season games in the Joes' history. Without question. I mean, this game against Philadelphia and then certainly tomorrow night's game is is even that much bigger because regardless of what happens to tonight, if the Red Wings are still going to be a point ahead of the Boston Bruins in tomorrow night's game, and if they win in regulation... They've clinched the playoff spot for 25 consecutive seasons. So it it's big. But this Philly game is big. I mean, the Red Wings have had some rest. Uh, Jimmy Howard has uh, exerted himself as the number one goalie, uh, which is odd, Newman, because I like Jimmy. And, you know, he certainly has earned it. Mrazak is going through some sort of rookie thing, I guess, or young players uh, – uh, you know, slump, which is, is is astounding considering, you know, he led the league in goals against and save percentage for most of the season. And then this has sort of happened and, you know, people are speculating what's wrong with him. But I wish Jimmy were playing better, if that makes sense. Oh, no, it makes a ton of sense. <laughs> you know, like, people still don't have the complete faith in him that they should right now. He's a $5 million goalie. And they're like, why is Jimmy Howard playing tonight? Because they're they're not looking at it. From a standpoint of Mrazek needs to sit for a little bit. Yeah, something's up. Whether it's mental fatigue or a physical ailment or 
or as we said, maybe something else between the ears is going on with him. He's a goalie. There's always something else in between the ears. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. We've known enough of them we, uh, we, <laughs> over the years. But it, it, it's odd. I mean, I'm not saying Jimmy's playing, playing poorly, but the strength of the team, why they're even in this position, has been because of their goaltending this season. And then for that to be kind of a question mark as they're playing very important games to qualify for the playoffs is... I don't think it's alarming. It's it's a kind of shocking from the standpoint of I didn't think that the Red Wings would be in this position uh, in net this late into the season. And, and you're looking in besides besides it being just in net, we're also looking at guys that have disappeared and other guys now that are starting to show up again. Uh, you're looking at Larkin. Does Larkin really have the intestinal fortitude at this point to really start skating like a leader, which he should be even at the age of 19? Well, certainly. The, the thing about Dylan Larkin was is that every time I've seen him play or he has been put into a big position, uh, it uh, a game of importance, he usually steps up. Uh, I think he has played better, actually. he. I think that, uh, uh, unfortunately, what happens is, is guys are taking runs at him now. I mean, this kid's getting the crap beat out of him a little bit, and uh, uh, I think that he just has to get used to it. I, 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 I cut him some slack, not because he's here or because he attended the University of Michigan or anything like that. I, I think that, you know, it's a learning curve for him. It's a, it's a learning curve, and uh, he doesn't seem to have the size that uh, – that uh, Anastasiu Athanasiu has, and right. also uh, Double you know, A, Double A, and, and what Mantha has, and so uh, I think it's wearing on him a little bit. But I expect him to play well these uh, these last couple of games of the season, and I expect him to have a a good playoff run if the Red Wings make it. I'm pretty sure. I I've got a feeling they're going to somehow do it again, uh, but. Uh, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm more concerned. It's good to see Shane come back. Uh, uh, you know, Tatar, Nyquist, they have to pick it up a little bit. I think Ab- Abdicator, is, uh, Abdicator is the uh, um, kind of the unsung hero of this team. He seems to really kind of keep it together. Datsuk and all these rumors, is he now going to go back home to Russia? Yeah, uh, we're going to dig into that just yeah, a little yeah, well, bit. Well, I, I kind of think it's a negotiating ploy. To get it was a year. negotiating ploy last time he did it. Exactly. That's exactly right. So I, I don't know if this is anything new. You know, I like Pav, but uh, Newman, I think you can attest to it. I've told people, and I really do like him. He's always treated me well. Uh, but he's been different the last few seasons. He has not been, as I like to say, the fun-loving, effervescent, carefree right. Datsuk. You know, he. I, you know, I, I don't think it's maturity. Don't get me. You know, I think he's. You know, something's been eaten away at him, and I don't think it is really probably. And I don't know. I don't want to sound like Zygmunt Freud either. I'm not so sure how much of it is really Red Wing related. Well, you know, one of the great things about today's show, Art, is we're not constrained. You know, we're barefooting a little bit. Um, we do have Brent Fedek coming up at about 4.30. Uh, he's going to do a call-in with us today. And the great thing about Brent is the fact that he's a former Philadelphia Flyer and he's a former Detroit Red Wing in addition to the Rangers. Uh, but I really want to talk about, you know, his time with uh, Lindros and some of the people that he played with. And in addition to that, we're about to talk to Eddie Mio. Oh, beautiful. Um, one of the great things about Eddie, um, he is a world traveler, you know, a vodka maven. Um, so we're going to get him on the phone. He is in Edmonton right now where they're getting ready to close out the Edmonton, what's that called? Rexall Place? Rexall Place. Rexall Place. Sounds and like there's, a prescription. There's right around, I believe, 300 former Edmonton Oilers that are in town. So we're going to have him just a few seconds 
that we're, we're going to have him call in. You know, Newman, we'll be experiencing this next year with the Joe Lewis Arena. We will. And, you know, I can't even imagine. That thing is going up so quickly. I don't know if you've been by it. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's It's amazing. Uh, and you're looking at it, and it's like, you know, we knew Tiger Stadium was going to close for about a good three, four seasons. Um, it, now with this one, it, next season, that's it. That's it for us. And then you're moving on to the new building. Yeah, I wonder what it's going to be called. Uh, you know what? There's a lot of speculation on that. Um, I've heard everything from Little Caesars Place. Hello? Eddie Mio. Yes, sir. Eddie Mio, um, I'd like to welcome to your uh, your other co-host, Art Regner. He's in studio with us. Well, at least we got one good personality there. <laughs> well, well, well. Thank you very much, Eddie. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> Eddie, you're in Edmonton. Well, hey, hey, Art. Yeah. I used to do this when I used to go to when we had our show. Remember, and I and I was in Vegas that one week. Yes, I do. So remember. You and I are used to it. I don't know about the guy that's sitting next to you. <laughs> no, no, no. That 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 was uh, really a lot of fun. I I still wish we were doing it. Obviously, it was it, it was certainly uh, certainly a good time. Eddie, that what's going? Good. What's going? What are you guys doing today? Oh, we can't complain, and we get to talk to you. And you're in Edmonton. What's going on in Edmonton? Uh, you, you guys wouldn't believe it. It's uh, so much fun. We got uh, over a hundred plus former Oilers, right down to some current guys that uh, just retired last year. Not uh, the organization has covered every decade that uh, North Lawrence Coliseum or now Rexall Place. Uh, that anybody wore the jersey that played in that building were, were invited to this event. Uh, we had 5,000 people at City Hall. We were on a big stage. Wow. Mark Messier gave a little talk, uh, Ryan Smith, and then uh, Jason Strudick, who is uh, born and raised in Edmonton and got to play for the Oilers. And I mean, it's just it's just a great event. I mean, the stories, stories going around and all of us telling us each other how good we used to be. <laughs> What's and, your uh, T-shirt say you with know, the Red Wing alumni there, Eddie? I didn't bring that one or else, but that one would have been a good T-shirt to wear. But uh, Eddie has a T-shirt yeah, that, with the alumni that the says, The event is just awesome. The the older that I am, the better I was. <laughs> the better I was, correct. I think that's the story of everyone's life. I think you know, your, your memories. Eddie, uh, I, I am kind of curious. In, in Todd McClellan went absolutely, you know, bat crap, shall we say, after the last game. And there's all kinds of speculation reading that this is such a great event. All these old Oilers, the, the Oilers obviously have such a tremendous history. I mean, they had to change the rules of hockey. They were so good at it uh, at one point. Um, is it kind of odd being there and seeing this franchise that was uh, is still a proud franchise, is going to be moving into a state-of-the-art arena next year, nothing like it maybe in the entire world, where they're going, and yet this cl- this club continues to to struggle, and they continue to get number one draft choices, and they probably could get Austin Matthews this year. I mean, it's it's kind of an odd, is is it an odd setting? I guess you know, kind of bittersweet from the standpoint of if you guys all accomplish something, mo- many of those guys in the Edmonton uniform, yet this franchise seems to just be flailing away lately. 
Well, you know that that's a that's a good question, Art, and it, and it has been on the on the tongues of a lot of the, the former players' discussion that you know in the last couple of days we're talking. It's too bad that you know coming back and having uh, each decade represented and to be you know where the Oilers are right now is a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, uh, but the, you know we we've talked, and I think the biggest problem that the Oilers have and. And Grant Fuhrer and I were sitting on the bus on the way back because we went through the dress room this morning. We had a media thing at the at the building. I mean, the dress room doesn't look anything like 1978, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it's all high tech now. But you know, Grant and I were talking, and and it's a, it's about chemistry. And I don't think the Oilers and a lot of the teams in the NHL have the chemistry, meaning the the tightness, the closeness. I mean, uh, as you said, they may be getting the number one pick again overall. And that's the problem. They've had picks in the top 10 for the last 10 years, and they're picking guys similar. They all have talent, but they're all the same player. There's not a grinder on that team. There's not a third line like the grind line that can motivate you and get your, you know, it, it's it's all about chemistry. And, and defense, obviously, is a problem here. But I think with the new building, as you said, moving into another state of the art, I think – It'll attract some good unrestricted free agents, and just the fact that there's so much history here, it's got to count for something. So it is a little disappointing to have an event like we're having today. There's nothing that can be done, so let's just enjoy the moment. And I think the city of uh, of Edmonton is the same way. Like I said, we went to City Hall after the arena, and there was five thousand people outside. So what's your and, uh, what's your schedule? What's your itinerary of events over the next few days? Well, I'm, uh, I tried to come upstairs to get a little nap. Uh, Paul <laughs> Coffey and I went a little too late last night. and uh, But unfortunately, uh, the game has been moved up. Uh, the NHL, I'm surprised they let them do it. The game is at 5 o'clock Edmonton time. So uh, only because they figure it's going to go well into the evening after the game. So they figure get the game over with and then the festivities after the game. So... Um, the itinerary now is get in my suit, go back downstairs to the hospitality room, have a beer, get on the bus at three thirty, and then we have another media thing at uh, just outside the dress room down uh, at the arena. So it's it's been pretty good, pretty hectic, but yet fun, a lot of fun. So Eddie, uh, it, it was nice nice to don the original orange from nineteen seventy two jersey. Are they wearing that tonight, or what What jerseys are they wearing I'm tonight? not sure. You know what? I don't think so, because in the dress room, uh, uh, I think I saw the, the, the oil and blue, so not the orange. So. Did they have so any we'll alumni games? Matter. What's that? Did they have any alumni games? No, no. There was a skate yesterday, uh, if, if anybody wanted to skate, but I think – one person skated. <laughs> because, but we did go down to the arena yesterday, and again, we had another media day down there. And if you had your equipment or ice, uh, your skates and stuff, you were allowed to go on the ice. Uh, you know what? We spent many years here. At least I had three and a half. Other guys had many years. I think touching the ice wasn't the big difference. It's the memory inside those walls. Have we uh, had a... Um, remember. What's that? Have we had a Klima sighting yet? Yeah, yep, Peter came in today. Fantastic. So, uh, he was he was down at the arena, uh, and uh, I mean, among him, there's Mike Krzyzewski came in, Kurt Maltby came in, 
Um, you know, so we've got former Red Wings that are also former Oilers, uh, you know, at the arena. So uh, uh, it's a great event. I'm, trust me, to watch 100-plus walk from City Hall to the stage and then see 5,000 people up there is quite, a, quite an event. And, I mean, uh, it, it's you got to be here, I mean, to really enjoy it. So. Eddie, if if you could elaborate a little bit, you know, so many times I've heard from former uh, former Red Wings or current Red Wings, especially obviously the Canadian players who talk about playing in Canada. They they never diss the United States or or certainly playing in Detroit or wearing the you know the winged wheel, but but they talk about the uh, just the atmosphere in playing for a Canadian franchise. Can you kind of uh, expound on that a little bit? What what is it like to play uh, in, in the NHL? for a Canadian franchise? Well, you know, I, I was fortunate as a Canadian to play for three great organizations, okay? Uh, and, and Edmonton being one, even though it was in its uh, infant stage when I was here, uh, you saw what they did afterwards. But uh, I just think that uh, to play in a Canadian city where the, the fans, I mean, you, you, you can walk outside, they know you. I mean, it's, it's, I, I think Detroit is pretty good too, but in Canada, uh, we call it our, our native game, but now it's a global game. Nobody can take rights to, hey, you know, it's our game. It's our national game. But I think just to play in a, in, especially in an original, uh, uh, like Toronto, Montreal, an original six, to play in Toronto and Montreal and the media hype, I think it's, a, it's, it's an experience that anyone should love. Now, to come to Edmonton, everybody thinks, oh, oh, it's way up north, it's almost in the Northwest Territories, or the Yukon, it might as well be in Alaska, whatever. <laughs> they don't know that this city is a great city. I mean, downtown is vibrant, you know, it, it's it's just a very good city to live in, number one, to raise a family, number two, and if you had a chance to play for the Oilers and the classy organization and what they've done, especially in the 80s, and, uh, you know, they'll get back to it. But I think it's a privilege to play in any NHL city, but to play in a Canadian city, I think this is where, you know, you enjoy going to the rink. And people people understand. They understand the game, okay? And so does the media. So, I, I you know, it's, it's a tough question because you've got some great cities up there in the, in the U.S. But at the same time, I, I, I think it's still a privilege to play in Canada. In, in saying that, none of us, none of our Canadian cities made the playoffs, but you know it, it's it, it's going to get there. I mean that that shows you Art and uh, and Newman that the parity of the league now is so great that you know it, it's tough to make the playoffs. Let's look at our own Red Wings. I mean these next three games, toughest games that they'll ever play in their their careers. I think you know other than a, a Stanley Cup final, but uh, you know these three games is going to be tough. So. Eddie, they refer to Rexall as the house that Gretzky built. Have you had a chance to spend some time with Gretzky, and what's uh, what's his Hell thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, with, with Gretz, knew me is that everybody wants to spend time with him. Plus, he hasn't seen a lot of the guys. I mean, there's guys here that he has not seen. Yuri Curry's back in town. Uh, um, you know, uh, Willie Lindstrom, who he played and won a cup with here in Edmonton, uh, but. When they say that Rexall places that Gretz made it, I think you really got to look at his teammates during the career with Grant Fuhrer, Mark Messier, Yuri Curry. I mean, I think those Oilers built Rexall. I mean, you go on a run for four years, 
uh, no different than the Islanders. It's, I don't think it's just one guy built that place. You know, everybody did. And, and uh, I think that's the way that they all think. I, I, I'll bet if you ask that, they'll tell you the same thing. You know, you know it's know? interesting. Hey, you, it was a team. Right. You know, it's interesting you say that because Steve Eiserman has told me on many, many occasions that he always considered himself to be one of many good players that formed a yeah. very good team. You know, it, it, you exactly. know, it's, it's not about one guy, even though obviously Wayne Gretzky, if there's any player, I guess that could claim it's about one guy, maybe it's, it, maybe it's Wayne, but, but he just doesn't seem to do that. I, I saw him on the NHL network during the, uh, the Las Vegas uh, fantasy camp that he had. And, you know, he, right. he, he's a pretty humble guy. Obviously, you know, this better than anybody, Eddie, but I mean, for a guy to accomplish what he was able to accomplish on the ice, uh, to have the insight and the humility that he has, it's pretty refreshing. I mean, he's not well, like Kanye he's West. absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you talk to Gretz, he's going to tell you that. It's, it's a team sport, okay? Remember when I said about the chemistry? I think that's what the Oilers of now are lacking. It's chemistry. And that's what you just said. Gretz, Mess, Stevie Eisenman, all the great players will tell you, I didn't do uh, I didn't do it on my own. I had a supporting cast of 20 others and, and the organization. So I think it's, it's, it's a combination of everything. And, uh, you know, I mean, you're right. If anybody could say it, Wayne could say it. Right. Right. But, you know, he's a very humble guy. Uh, and, and most of the greats are, I mean, Mario Lemieux will tell you the same thing. Gordy. I mean, you could have said that Gordy was the guy that built the, uh, you know, the Olympia, yep. but he also had Ted Lindsay. Sid Abel, Alex Delvecchio, uh, Gary Scott, you know, the list goes Sawchuk, on. Sawchuk, right, so, right. A lot of those guys are hanging yeah. in the rafters, you know, they're numbers. That's exactly, exactly. right. Exactly. So, Eddie, let me yeah. ask you this last question before we let you go. Obviously, you're going through this now with Edmonton. Next year, we're going to go through it with Detroit. What do you, um, how would you like to compare them? What do you really, really like about what's going on in Edmonton and what would you like to see in Detroit? Well, I mean, obviously... If, if uh, you know, Kurt Maltby uh, comes back and tells them about, you know, what went on here the last uh, two days, uh, it'd be nice to have that done in Detroit. But remember, in Detroit, we're going way back. There's, there's probably too many players to bring in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where, uh, where the Oilers are, is, is from 72 on uh, with Detroit. But if they could do something to commemorate, because you got to remember, Joe Lewis got just as much history. As Northland, okay? You're talking four Stanley Cups in there. You know, you're talking great runs. You're talking great players that came out of there. Um, uh, I'd like to see them do some sort of celebration. I'm sure it's, it's being planned. I mean, something like this would be nice if they brought in, you know, a lot of the former, uh, former Red Wings. But uh, it, I think it would be such a big undertaking that, you know, uh, it's pretty hard, to, I think, to pull it off. But yet... Let's face it, Red Wing organization is awesome organization, and you know they got something planned. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that, you know, and then uh, really the end of an era with everything. There's no more old buildings unless you consider a new one 20 years ago, an old one now, you know. So, uh, but I'm, I'm sure the Red Wings are going to plan something. If, if they had something like this, it'd be great. You bring back the Russian Five, obviously. I mean, you know, including, uh, you know, uh, Vlad. But uh, I'm sure they got something planned, especially for their Stanley Cup team. Hey, Eddie, so. I, I know we got to let you go, but I wanted to ask you very, very quickly. You were in Vegas 
the speculation is, is they're going to get an NHL team. Is, is Was that the feeling you were getting when you were out there? Well, yes, and uh, and then also no, okay? I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, a, a tough thing to say, but, you know, I, I think there was a comment by uh, Bill Foley, who's the spearhead of that whole, uh, you know, uh, Vegas uh, franchise, who said had he known that the process would take th- this long, he might have waited. Uh, you know, that, that building's open right, right. now. Uh, as of last week, when we were actually Gretz wanted to have the championship game of the the fantasy camp in the building, but they just didn't have the ice ready. But they are scheduled for lots of events. So even if they don't get that franchise, that building is going to survive. And I'll tell you what, we, uh, we passed it. We didn't get to go inside, but it's going to be an awesome building too. But the point is, you know, they do have 15,000 season ticket holders and they got their money. So the NHL has to do something. But um, there was feeling that, hey, this process is going on way too long. You know what I mean? Yes. And, uh, and again, they have to do something uh, at the end of this because Vegas is ready to go. They're, All right, Eddie. Your, uh, your phone's cutting okay. out. Thanks for calling in. We're going to see you back in the big hey. boy chair on Wednesday. You travel safe. And once again, we appreciate you calling. You got it, bud. You guys take care. See you, Eddie. Eddie, we're going to take probably about a six-minute break, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by former Flyer, former Red Wing, Brent Fedick. I'm Thad Zot with Zot M59 Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. During our spring clearance event, you'll find the best deals in the D. Jeff, we know that, but we only have 30 seconds to tell the people. No worries. We made it easy by listing every vehicle in our massive inventory with the very best price we can offer on DealsInTheD.com. Like leases starting at $129 per month or new Jeeps starting at $17.9. Bad. We need to hurry. Our 30 seconds is almost up. But DealsInTheD.com is on 24-7, 365. Get there. For years, you've been hearing me talk about the benefits of laser therapy at Pain-Free Life Centers of Michigan. But don't take my word for it. I brought a guest in to talk to you today, former Detroit Tiger pitcher Dave Rosma. So, Dave, talk about your experience at Pain-Free Life Centers. Everybody knew my karate kick from 35 years ago. I've had a lot of knee pains. I came to you. Jeff, after a few treatments, made it feel better and stronger. And then I come back for another therapy. Dave, how long did it take for you to notice a difference in your pain level? The first day, the comfort level, the warmness, flexibility in my knee, it, it gives you a positive attitude. Um, emotionally, I felt better because I'm a golfer. I like to work out. It let me do these things. And the most important thing, I felt less pain. So Dave, what would you tell the listeners to do to try to avoid the drugs, the injections, and the surgeries? If you're suffering from pain, try pain-free life centers because it helped me. Call 248-879-1100 or visit PainFreeLifeCenters.com. We don't smoke marijuana in Muskogee. We don't take our trips on LSD. We don't burn our draft cards down on Main Street. We like living right, being free. We don't make a party out of loving. We like holding hands and pitching woo. We don't let our hair grow long and shaggy. 
Like the hippies out in San Francisco do And I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee A place where even squares can have a ball We still wave old glory down at the courthouse And white lightning still the biggest thrill of all. Hey! Leather boots are still in style for manly footwear. Beads and Roman sandals won't be seen. Football's still the roughest thing on campus. And the kids here still respect the college dean All together, everybody I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee Thank you A place where even squares can have a ball We still wave old glory down at the courthouse By golly And white lightning still the biggest thrill of all. We still wave old glory down at the courthouse in Muskogee, Oklahoma, USA. Thank you. Here's... Thank you so much. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. Not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down. Because we can't. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And we're back after a short break. You know, uh, real quick, you know, we had Merle Haggard on there at the break. And that's, uh, you know, rest his soul. He passed away today. 79 years old. 79 years old. Today's his birthday. (laughs) That's a birthday in heaven for him. And you know what? On the line right now, we've got former Philadelphia Flyer, former Detroit Red Wing. Red Wing draft pick. He is a Red Wing draft pick. Welcome, Brent Fedick. Feds, how are you, brother? Doing great. Thanks very much. Great to be on here. And uh, I can't believe about Merle. He used to, I used to grow up with him on the farm. We used to play him on the radio all the time about in Saskatchewan when I grew up. Uh, you know, Saskatchewan, you know, all the good, the really good players, the Coasters, the <laughs> FedEx of the world, they all come from Saskatchewan. I'm noticing that. Yeah. Uh, now, Brent. Yeah, Gordy Hutt. Uh, Brent, I don't mean Gordy to cut Gordy Howard from Saskatchewan. Right. He, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but did, did you watch, was it, 
I used to watch a Canadian show, which I was kind of stunned because growing up here in Detroit, watching you know Channel Nine all the time, uh, there was a show called the Tommy Hunter Show. Do you? I mean, did you watch that? I, that was kind of a country-based <laughs> show, right? I, yeah, I remember that. I used to have Stomping Tom Connor on there all the time. Yeah. Good old hockey game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I was always kind of stunned thinking, I, I don't know why, because I guess being an American, thinking that, you know, country music was down south, and then Channel 9, because <laughs> I watch it all the time, I could not believe how big of a country country or market that Canada really is. I mean, country music is absolutely huge. I talk to kids today that I would figure, you know, Canadian kids that would be into rap or all that kind of stuff. And they all love country music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Country's a big thing. I enjoy country. I don't listen much to rap or techno music. <laughs> oh, come on now. I Brent. What, but I, see, I told you, I, I didn't know the Tommy Hunter show and, um, stomping Tom Conner. He'd bring that, uh, this board. And uh, he'd be banging his um, cowboy boot to it and singing the good old hockey game. You know what, Feds? This is an interesting game for you tonight. You know, it's a pivotal game, probably one of the biggest regular season games in Red Wing, at least in the Joe history. So you played for both teams. What are your thoughts about tonight? Well, you know, Philly's been playing uh, pretty consistently lately. I I really hope the Red Wings can uh, put together here a little streak. because I do believe, you know, they pretty much have to win every game. Um, to the last three games here to uh, get in the playoffs. And I know a big one's going to be also tomorrow against Boston because I think that's the only team that's kind of decides who's going to be in and who's going to be out between uh, Detroit and Boston. Yeah, we, yeah, obviously, if the Red Wings are able to win tonight, and even if they lose, I guess, they're, still, they're either going to end up being at the end of the evening either one point, Two points if they lose in in uh, in overtime, or three points ahead of the Bruins. Meaning, if they win tomorrow, uh, all they have to do is win in regulation, and, and they've got the they will qualify for the playoffs for twenty five consecutive seasons. And uh, Brent, let me ask you about when you play a game of this magnitude and stature. Is this the time where the captain get, get, gets up and says something, or nothing really needs to be said? These are professional players; they know exactly what they have to do tonight. Well, they know exactly uh, what they have to do. I, I think, um, you know, the, the coaching staff is smart enough, and then plus they have great leadership with Zetterberg and Datsuk that I think if they do catch any uh, young kid goofing around or whatever, they're going to tell them to focus. Uh, this is important. I mean, I think heck, I think I was still with the Red Wings when the streak started. So, uh, you know, it's 20, 24 years now or 25 years. It's a long time to have a streak going. Yeah, it's 25 years, but 24 seasons because the league and their infinite wisdom, as I like to say, shut itself down for a year. That's correct. You're right. You know what, Feds? You're um, you're a standard on the alumni circuit. I'm going to say that I'm I'm privileged. I'm honored. I know that when we book a game, that Feds is going to be in that lineup, and he's one of the fan favorites, and he's one of the names that everybody knows. Now, you were a number eight, round one, number eight, draft pick overall with the Detroit Red Wings, and you played until 1992 before you were traded to Philadelphia. Your time with the Red Wings, what were some of your best memories? Well, probably my best memories were, you know, playing alongside with uh, Fedorov, Eiserman, um, you know, Kosher, uh, Probert, uh, Klima. There was a lot of great guys. Lee Norwood. And um, I enjoyed the time there. Uh, I think I was young and sometimes, uh, you know, you know, slow down to appreciate those moments. 
But uh, now looking back when your career's done, because it seems like you snap your fingers and your career's over, um, you know, it was a special place, and that's why I make my home here. Yeah, I know when you – Yeah, it's really weird. I guess uh, eight, it seems to be following you around. You drafted eighth overall. You played on the Crazy Eights line in Philadelphia. And, uh, <laughs> Brent, I wanted to ask you about uh, – uh, about playing with Eric Lindros, there always seems to be this. I don't know if he's a polarizing figure. I don't know if that's fair to assess uh, him that way because people are saying he should be in the Hall of Fame, and then you have another group that says he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Where where do you stand on that, and why do you think he isn't in the Hall of Fame? You know, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> maybe there's some people from Quebec that vote on it. <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe they're still upset that he didn't go to Quebec. I'm not sure, but I played with him. He was a great guy. He was a great player, and I enjoyed playing with him. When you look uh, back at uh, uh, at that time, uh, playing on that line, because I mean, every everyone in hockey knew that line. What what uh, what makes a line click? What about the chemistry? Is it you just anticipated um, each other well, or why were you so good? I, I'm not sure. You know, we just kind of fit together. There's a little bit of everything on that line. Um, it was just one of those things that really took off. You know, they tried us together. Uh, as soon as I got traded to uh, Philadelphia, they asked me if I could play left wing. And I kind of lied and said, yeah, you know, I played uh, a lot of left wing last year. But in warm-up, I actually had, to, for the first game, I was having people throw the puck around the board so I could get used to it. So I had to kind of lie my way onto the line. But things, uh, right from the very first game I ever played with them, I scored a goal and things just seemed to click with us. You know, one of the other things that you've done in your career um, as you've gone from Detroit to Philadelphia and New York, you also played on the 97-98 Vipers team, the Detroit Vipers. Yeah. And if you go back and look at that lineup, it's kind of like one of our Red Wing alumni lineups now with Presley (laughs) and Gruden and Carson. What, What were some of your memories playing at the Palace as compared to the Joe? (laughs) <laughs> well, it's a different league. I was coming back. I, I had fractured my neck, and I was out of hockey for a year and a half. And so I was attempting to make a comeback. Um, as far as comparing the two, um, you know, it, it's completely different playing at the Joe or the NHL as com- you know, compared to, you know, an IHL. There really isn't much of a comparison. So that puts you with Banksy at that point, and that probably made you strong enough <laughs> to go back because you went and you played for the Rangers after that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So maybe Banksy says he got me back in the NHL. So I'm not sure how to take that, but <laughs> he said he, he was the key to getting me back to the NHL. Brent, when you look at this Red Wings team, and as you said, they're playing a huge game tonight. Uh, it's it, one of the strengths for most of the season was their goaltending. It, it, it's kind of stubbed its toe along the way here towards the end. Yet secondary scoring seems to be picking up. Guys like Riley Sheehan, who struggled this year, it, it suddenly come on. Uh, Tatar and Nyquist seem to be playing better and a little more consistently. Uh, when you look at it, you see the secondary scoring, you see the role players. How imperative is it for those guys to step up? Because obviously your stars can't do it all the time. Yeah, no, you're right. Your stars can't do it all the time. I think anything over the last few games I've watched, I think they really have to come out, 
you know, on the first minute and, and really be hungry for that game. They've got to be ready to play. They can't afford to take any minutes off coming down the stretch here. <clears throat> and then I think the last five minutes, I think they've got to play with a little more confidence. I think maybe a little more communication or something. I think sometimes the last few last few weeks, anyhow, those last two minutes are kind of dicey with the Red Wings. Yeah, they're, 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 they're frightening, actually. I mean, you're right. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, a lot of people are looking at some of the younger players. Uh, uh, obviously, Dylan Larkin, since he is from here, attended the University of Michigan. Uh, then you have uh, 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 Andreas uh, Athanasiu, who uh, seems to be maybe people are saying he could be the fastest skater in the NHL. And then Anthony Mantha has finally got up, uh, come up and uh, uh, does not really look too too much out of place. I know Blash is trying to limit all their their ice time. and uh, uh, But when you look at those three young players, what do you see in them? Can you assess their play thus far? Oh, so far they're playing excellent. I think it's very important that, uh, you know, for, for their career and for them, I guess, to, um, I guess, grow up a little bit, you would put it, that, uh, you know, they do make the playoffs because I think these games here right now are almost like playoff games. And to get a little taste of the playoffs, just for their maturity and their, for you know, the remaining of their career. They're going to have a long career. But I think, um, obviously, playing in the playoffs, um, I think that's where you mature the most. I don't think, uh, you know, players, when they don't make the playoffs and stuff, uh, it just takes them a while. And, then, you know, that's how they get their uh, winning and their uh, character together. Feds, how often do you get back to Philly? Uh, you know, I haven't back to I haven't been back to Philly in a long time. A good friend of mine, uh, Brad Marsh, who used to be here with the Red Wings for a while, um, uh, he just took over the alumni there. So, and I just heard that uh, he was supposed to be contacting me soon. So, it is a great it was a great place to play. I enjoyed myself, and uh, you know, I do like to go back. I would like to go back there one day. Brad, I, I have another question. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm guess I'm picking your brain as far as be, wanting you to be somewhat philosophical or something. But when you look at this uh, uh, at the game and the way it has evolved, in the way that it has changed, uh, fighting obviously drastically down, uh, but stick work seems to be you know unfortunately up. Uh, do you like the direction of the sport? Do you think uh, you know every everywhere from from the product on the ice to now shrinking goalie equipment, uh, what is your take on the NHL uh, uh, 2016? Well, you know, if it was up to me, I like the score. I would really shrink the goalie's equipment. <laughs> They're the ones that keep getting bigger and bigger, or I'd make the net bigger. I think those are, that's the biggest thing I would change. It's something to do with the – I think it, I'd, I'd get the net just a little bit bigger. Uh, as far as the rest of the stuff, you know, I think the game's fine. I, you know, a few more fights, but I, I think the game's gotten so fast. Um, I know I've get I got hit in a lot in the face with the puck and the sticks. You know, you pretty much need a visor, and when when you fight, you know, if you have a visor on, there really isn't too much to the fight until the helmet comes off. I just never thought I'd hear a former Philadelphia Flyer talk about the size of goalie equipment. <laughs> well, we were the one that started. He, uh, Garth Snow played for Correct. us. Correct. And he's the one. He's the one who started. He came up with these shoulder pads that were just absolutely. It was humongous. crazy. They're like deflecto pads. Yeah, they would stick out like eight inches from them. And we were like, we we didn't, but there was no rule for that at the time. But you know, well, there is now. After, you they know, did come up with it. 
Yeah. He might have been the, he's GM now in New York. He might have been the precursor to the uh to, to what what do you call it? The um the the toys, the not Megatrons or whatever. What, you know, Transformers. The yeah. Transformers. He looked like a Transformer yeah, he, out there. <laughs> absolutely. That's what it was. And then, you know, I used to laugh with the goalies because they had the size of the pads. And they always knew when they, they were, the, the NHL was coming around to um, measure them. And they'd be, have a rubber hammer and they'd be hitting them together. And then as soon as they measured them and they passed, they'd be, you know, banging them back apart, squishing them back apart. So, Well, Feds, you know, we're going to let you enjoy your summer where, uh, you know, thanks for calling in. Uh, are we going to see you at the game tonight? Yes, I will be at the game. I'm looking forward to there, to uh, being there. And, um, you know, I hope the Red Wings do well and I hope, uh, for the sake of uh, the city and everything, because actually my kids, my kids call me every day wondering if they're going to make the playoffs because they want me to take them to a playoff game. So, well, we're going to get your kids uh, to a playoff game. That sounds great. All right, Feds, once again, thanks for calling in. We'll see you down at the barn. All right, thank you so much for having me. Take care. See ya. Thank you. All right, we're going to take another short break, and then after... Art and I, we're going to wrap this thing up for you. I'm Thad's out with Zot M59 Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. During our spring clearance event, you'll find the best deals in the D. Jeff, we know that, but we only have 30 seconds to tell the people. No worries. We made it easy by listing every vehicle in our massive inventory with the very best price we can offer on dealsinthed.com. Like leases starting at $129 per month or new Jeeps starting at $17.9. Dad, we need to hurry. Our 30 seconds is almost up. But dealsinthed.com? is on 24-7, 365. Get there. I'm Jeff Morton from Pain-Free Life Centers. I'm here with former Detroit Tiger pitcher Dave Rosema. Dave, how long did it take before you noticed any benefits from laser therapy? The first day. That's awesome. And how, how did you feel? It, it gives you a positive attitude. Um, emotionally, I felt better. Flexibility in my knee, and the most important thing, I felt less pain. And as an athlete, you'd be an authority on pain. I use my body a lot. I do a lot of batting practice at Comerica, and it made my knee flexible, felt stronger. It feels good to me, and the pain was gone. So now you've heard from an authority on pain. So what's your excuse? I challenge you to pick up the phone and start living a better quality of life pain-free. Call 248-879-1100 or go to painfreelifecenters.com. We're so confident in what we do, we're going to give you a free consultation and a free treatment. So, Dave, what would you say to somebody suffering from pain? Try it for yourself because it helped me, and I'm sure it's going to help you. Painfreelifecenters.com. Do it today.
the air. It's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Second period, where players dash with skates of flash, the home team trails behind, but they grab the puck and go bursting up, and they're down across the line. They storm the crease like bumblebees, they travel like a burning flame. We see them slide the puck inside, it's a 1-1 hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Third period, last game in the playoffs, too. Oh, take me where the hockey players face off down the rink. And the Stanley Cup is all filled up for the champs who win the drink. Now the final flick of a hockey stick and a one gigantic scream. The puck is in, the home team wins the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And yeah, that was great. And then we had Stompin' Tom there doing the hockey Again, game song. Yeah. You know, Art, it, it, once again, it, it's always good to have you in studio, you know, with what you're doing right now, because you're working with WDET, you're working with Stephen Henderson, right. which is more public interest. It's more cerebral, uh, as you and I have talked off air, um, as opposed to sports, which can be kind of mundane and kind of surreal. Not that right now politics can't be surreal. But between the two, what do you enjoy doing more? Well, certainly uh – I guess I, I I like sports, and it, it sounds weird. To really be honest with you, I, I was at a career crossroads many, many years ago, and I had covered a murder trial here in metropolitan Detroit. Uh, actually, it was out in Livingston County, so it wasn't exactly metropolitan Detroit, for NPR. Uh, a buddy of mine, Don Gagne, asked me if I would cover it for, ironically, WDET, and I did. And I remember sitting in that, uh, uh, sitting in that room, uh, the, the the room and hearing how this um, the uh, guy who was up for trial, the murderer, how he killed his victim. And the victim's parents were right in front of me in this courthouse in Howell. And the father of uh, the uh, uh, of the murderer was a couple of rows behind me. And it was real, real, if it makes sense. Sure. And and I said, you know, I could do this because I filed my reports. I talked to everybody. And I was also the sports director at this uh, WHMI, the Howell radio station. Yeah, and, right. yeah, you did everything, you know, and, and and Don knew I could do news. And I, I, I was the nighttime disc jockey and I had an alternative music show, AJ After Eight and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and I said, you know, I really wanted to be a journalist or, or be a reporter. Once I knew I couldn't be a professional athlete, I really wanted to to be a, a reporter. 
And um, I said, you know, I know that I can probably cover murder trials and I think I can be really good at it or be a good reporter. But I wonder what kind of person I would become, what kind of life I would lead. And I decided at that moment that I would turn to sports because I love sports and I knew that I wasn't dealing in life and death situations. Correct. And, you know, I, I mean, you know, back then when I was a kid, if Michigan lost a football game, I couldn't talk for weeks or the Red Wings or, or the Tigers, even the Lions back then before I became Lions free or the Pistons. You know, I was that, that intense and that into it. And I think most, you know, young boys growing up in the era that I did were probably very, very similar. Uh, so I, I decided that I, I, I would go to sports. Now that I'm back and, you know, the, the presidential, I've seen every presidential debate, uh, you know, Flint water, the DPS situation, uh, race relations, you know, we're heavy into all that stuff. Uh, uh, income inequality, uh, it, it's different. It, it's made me look at, you know, in the next, you know, like 15 to 20 years that I, I, that I have left in the business, so to speak, I really look at it and think that I would like to go back and do something more or less hockey related. I'd like to work in hockey or with the Red Wings or, or do something that way. I'd like to finish off with, with my passion. Uh, and that has nothing to, uh, against WDET. I'm doing a, you know, I mean, I think I'm doing a good job there. I think sure. you know, the feedback has been great and, and I like it, uh, but I'm not so sure. I think I've been away from it for t- too long that what I do have a passion for and what I do have a love for. And yeah, I'll be honest with you, Newman, most people till this day still yell, go wings at me and think I work for the Red Wings. They really think I work for the Red Wings. And they, you know, and, and I still keep in contact with the guys and you know how it is because if a professional athlete respects you and they respect you because you take the time to cover the game and get to know them a little bit and, and you be, get to be objective. Uh, and, and I know that I know that I've done a good and fair and balanced job, and I don't mean to sound, trust me, like Fox News, but the, the reason is, is because all the old guys still talk to me. You know Correct. what I mean? You know, I mean, they, you know, hey, what's up? You know, I can pick up the phone and you know, I don't want to sit here and name drop, and I can call some, you know, some significant names in Detroit hockey history, and either they'll pick up the phone or if I leave a message, they call me back. Well, you're always, you know, it's always a big thing when we're doing the coaster softball event. When they're like, Newman, who do you have lined up? And I was like, well, Art's coming back out. And they're like, really? Yeah, that's great. It'll be good to see Art again. In addition to what you're doing there, you're also an accomplished author. How many books have you written? Well, I've written three. Uh, I'm in the process of writing four and five. They've, there's been a couple of uh, – uh, one interesting book that, 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 that I'm doing is with a Catholic priest. And it's uh, – and he approached me on it. When my mother was ill, she got to know this priest uh, fairly well. And uh, he wanted to do a book where he believes, regardless if you're religious or not or what religion you are, uh, our foundation as human beings is rooted in a code of ethics and morals of what's right and what's wrong. A lot of that is spiritual and religious based, whether you want to believe it or not. So he wanted to take individual stories of athletes when they've done something superhuman, so to speak, you know, like McCarty's goal against Philadelphia that right, clinches a cup, right. you know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. You know, when you talk to Darren about that, he can't really tell you what he did. 
And that's what I've always found out. When an athlete does something extraordinary and you ask them about the play, they can't really explain it to you. It just sort of happens, you know. It's mind over matter. I, I was lucky. You know, they'll all say I happened to be in the right place at the right time, and maybe that's true. So he wanted to take, you know, these individual stories and then take biblical passages and say how they intertwine. I thought that this was not a good idea, you know, but – I've talked to several athletes who are really hot on it, and a lot of people, and they think it's a great idea. It's taken a lot longer to get this book going and written than, than I thought. You're channeling your inner Mitch album without actually plagiarizing or making the story up. Right, exactly. I, I would say, yeah, this is, this is stuff that's not, you know, essentially, I interview the athlete, I talk to them about their story, they can talk about their faith a little bit. It's not a religious book. I don't, you know, it's, it's a book of inspiration and overcoming things. It's, it, it's, it's an interesting book, because it is true. And you work a lot also with Kevin Allen, and yes. you guys have your own podcast. Yeah, we it's called the Red and White Authority, all based on the Red Wings. Uh, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I kind of chuckle when I hear that. It sounds like, you know, we're the, the, the be all and the end all of, of everything Red Wings. Uh, but th- that's worked out very, very well. You know, it, it's picked, it, it was picked up nationally. We haven't done too many episodes this year because of the DET job for me. It takes up a lot of my time, but, but, uh, it, it's fun. It's good. Well, Art, you know what? I always appreciate you coming in. I love sitting with you. You know, the, when you're on, I always think to myself, we could easily do two hours. Um, today, um, but we're going to let you go. We're going to have, um, you know, a little wrap up next week, especially after opening day with the Tigers. Next week on the show, we're going to have Lula Paw from the Ted Lindsay Foundation for Autism Awareness Month. And if you're looking for us on Twitter, we're at Red Wing Alumni, and you can find us on Facebook at the Detroit Red Wings Alumni. Once again, thank you to Jessica working the board. We always oh, appreciate thanks, it. Guys. Great job as always. I appreciate the entertainment. And we will see you next week. This is a previously recorded episode.